I'm Jay Pitts, a real estate broker, agent, leader, and investor. For the last decade, I've navigated the craziest of real estate markets this country has ever seen, selling over 2,000 homes, moving in and out of markets, always ahead of the curve. And now I'm bringing that perspective to you. This is your resource, and Real Talk About Real Estate starts right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Resource Real Talk About Real Estate. I'm Gabe Pruitt. And I'm Jay Pitts. We are back. We're back, baby. It's been, it's been a little while since our last episode. It has. So I thought we would do something fun today. We're going to keep it, keep it on, on point, but we're going to do something a little bit different. I have a list uh, with me of some of the most popular and some of the least popular leadership quotes, cliches, and phrases that you could find on cheap wall art everywhere okay okay you see like the shamu coming out of the ocean and leadership and all you know what i'm talking about <laughs> that's the successories yeah successories that was a store in the mall back in the day like really? I'm, I'm dating myself gabe like <laughs> so you know at least what i'm talking the, about the funny thing is is uh you know the running dialogue between gabe and i is how old i am and how young he is and <laughs> both very much in um in accusatory fashion from the other i but, at least knew what it was i just didn't know what it was called so you accessories? Is that what you said? It you is? knew what? Oh, like accessories, but success accessories. Suck accessories. <laughs> I probably shouldn't say it like that. Successories. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> but hey, here's what I want to do though. I want to read you some of these cliche leadership quotes and get your perspective as a seasoned team leader, a broker, and you. I want you to tell me which one of them's are just complete hokum and which ones actually have some substance to which, them. Which one of them's? Which one of them's? Yeah, that's a, I'm down. The I'm goal down. Let's is do to it. have the aspiring leader come away knowing what they should focus on and what stuff is kind of okay. A myth. Okay, so 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 give me the cliches and like extract the nuggets of wisdom that might have been yeah, intended. Sure. So I'll give you one and, and strip away the cliche. You tell me what you think it's trying to say and whether or not you agree. We're with pulling the back within. the curtain. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I'm game. All right. So here's a softball to start. An easy one. There's no I in team. Everybody's heard this one before. There's no I in team. This is absolutely true. Um, but, but, um, when you r- remove yourself from competitive sport or you know child's play, mm-hmm. you can count on everyone to suit themselves. Okay, like like this is business. This is life. Like I like you, Gabe, but I like me better. Yeah. Okay, so don't expect me to, at my detriment, do something that is better for you than it is for me. And and the way teams exist is they have alignment. Yeah. Alignment of priorities. Alignment of goals. You know. You know, if you are a part of my team, Gabe, then I better align myself with what actions you're going to take to better yourself. So you're not talking about sacrificing all of your individuality. It's no, absolutely not. It's it's a collective of individuals. Have like you, you ever heard the saying "There's four eyes in team"? Have you ever heard? I've say never that? heard that. Yeah. Instead of there's four. no eyes, there's four eyes. Like instead of like the four letters T E A M, there's four eyes in team. Uh, okay. Meaning that everybody is their own individual, but that's what makes a team. So. Well, I guess. I mean, I actually never heard that, but that I mean that that's actually pretty true. I I don't know. It's. Um, <laughs> I, I think you're foolish to expect someone to subjugate themselves and their own interests to you. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, really, like, like honestly, we have a 
phenomenal team. But they don't they don't do it for me. They do it for them. Yeah. Like they do it because I am the one that can help them be the best them at this moment. And and those things don't last forever. Right? People grow and mature and change and priorities, you know, priorities change. Yeah. Well, you talk about helping people become their best them. I've got another one that, that makes me think of that. Listen to this quote and you tell me what you think about this. The function of leadership is to produce more leaders, not more followers. The function of a le- of leadership is to produce more leaders, not more followers. I kind of disagree. Okay. I kind of disagree Explain. because I think leaders will be leaders and followers will be followers. There's no right or wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, there are just like we talked about personality types. Yeah. Not everyone's supposed to be a leader. Right? No, not everyone's supposed to be a leader. Not everyone was built that way. Not everybody desires it. Um, yeah, I think maybe, maybe, um, a good leader has the wisdom to identify the leaders within their ranks. Yeah. And to develop them to be the best person or professional they can be yep. in whatever endeavor you're coaching them on or, or leading them in. Yep. You want them to be the best they can be, and that will develop more leaders. But there are if if I'm only developing leaders, um, then maybe I'm a coaching company or I'm a a leadership institute of sorts. But like my business, our business, and most businesses, they need both leaders and followers. Yeah. So that that's that's our organization. That's kind of where my head is. I, I mean, maybe it's the truth, but not the whole truth. Gotcha. If that makes sense. All right. Well, here's another good t-shirt, coffee mug kind of one. There's actually a book with this title. Uh, Leaders Eat Last. You've heard this saying before, I'm sure. Um, so all of this is conjecture, Gabe. Well, yeah, that's that's this whole That's list. the fun of it, yeah. right? It's all conjecture. and Some of these are catchy just for catchiness's sake. Yeah. Which... Like, I think, I, I think these things, okay, so the human mind works kind of in a funny way. You know, your subconscious is extremely powerful. You've heard me say that. Um, your subconscious is extremely powerful. The reasons it's powerful is because it, it reminds you of things. It, it brings things to the forefront. It, it, you know, requires focus on certain things. Right. So that um, these quips, right, these little quick sayings that you have, they're, they're designed to invoke or evoke, evoke yeah. a, a certain thought. Well, right, leaders eat last. That says that the leader must be willing to put others before put others before themselves. Yeah. But by putting others before themselves, they're hopefully achieving an outcome that is greater for themselves. So it again, it's 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 the truth, but not the whole truth. Right. It's it's one piece of it. It's right. the catchy catchphrase that helps you remember it, but it's not the whole thing. So so the truth is w- within our organization, right? Um I believe firmly that job number one for me is business creation. Okay, job number one. Um, I can have 10 other jobs, but job number one is business creation. When I create more business than I can physically process, yeah, it becomes necessary to leverage it to other credible team members. Okay, we, we are at a place now where we are at a place now where the highest and best use of my time is to create more business. Yeah. Okay, with no intention of actually servicing it myself 100%. Because you know you've built up a framework where other people will service exactly, it. Yeah. Exactly. So the highest and best use of my time is finding a $500,000 listing 
and leveraging it out to a team member to maintain. Right. To finding a $300,000 purchaser or $150,000 purchaser and leveraging it out to a team member, what I know and what I have confidence in is that I can generate two or three sales in the time it takes me to completely process one. Right. So when I do it this way, I'm giving away some more benefit. Yeah. To get more benefit in return. Right. Yeah, so that's that kind sense. of a leaders eat last kind of, kind of action. But, but in it, the but end, it, it's what's best for you. But it's also. in the end, it's what's best for me. Yeah. Well, on the, I'm like a wizard at making these tie into each other. I had a list in order, but I'm going out of order now because you keep making me think of other ones. Here's so your, one that your inner, your, your inner, um, successory is going, yes. Every time I say <laughs> something that gives you a segue into the next one. Yes. Okay. I'm right. constantly listening for the segue too. That's part of this whole interviewer role. I'm constantly listening for the tie-in. But here's <laughs> here's a here's one that made all of us outside laugh. So so me and the rest of the administrative staff upstairs got a good chuckle out of this one because I know exactly what you're going to say. This has to do with um the exactly like you were saying, putting others before yourself, putting your team before yourself. Okay. And this is this quote that I found that was on a, a nice serene picture of like a mountain lake or whatever it's just a nice cheesy image but it said a a leader's door is never closed oh my god <laughs> let me know what you think about that the reason and for our listeners the reason i laughed is because something that we hear jay say every single day is you'll he'll poke his head out of his office and say all right i'm closing my door my door is closed <laughs> everybody needs to know the door is closed well, but invariably, like i get up to get a cup of coffee or a bottle of water and you have or, a line outside your door and and like people like hear my door open and they like come running and like jockeying for position. So tell me what you think when you hear a leader's door is never closed. Well, I, here's what I think. I think it's, it's incumbent upon the leader to, um, carefully convey to their, you know, uh, the people they lead that their time is best spent doing certain things. You just said that. Yeah. Okay. And, and it is imperative that they, communicate and they foster an environment where there are other sources to find information. There are the opportunity for the person to solve their own problems. Mm -hmm. Um, And because it's always just going to be easiest to run to the leader to ask the question. So no, a leader's door is not always open. Yep. It's like, we, but it's not an insult either. And it doesn't make them a bad leader. No, exactly. I mean, it's about balance, right? So, I mean, this is probably something that a lot of leaders struggle with. It's this fine line between accessibility and boundaries, which are two things that they want, right? Which boundaries exist for productivity. And exactly. the pro- so, so what our team members need to understand is that because I'm not available to remember or I'm not available to answer the question that I've answered for seven other people in, in the last year in the moment that they need the answer. Yeah. Okay, doesn't make me a bad leader. My time is better spent for them finding another listing, so finding another lead source, finding another buyer, doing the things that I do that I deem as the highest and best use of my time benefits them. It's the trickle down that comes from a leader. Right. And and no one can be expected to 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 enforce those priorities other than the leader. Right. You're setting an example. Yeah. Well, and this is maybe the mark of a good leader is not that their door is always open, but that when their door is closed, their team knows exactly why. And Absolutely. they know exactly what not to think when the door is closed. Absolutely. They they should, but they're human and they're going they're human and they're going to, you know, feel in the moment 
mm-hmm. like they're, they're being, being neglected. ignored. Like they're being ignored and neglected. Sure. So I, I don't. I mean, I don't know how to reconcile that game other than to continuously manage it. It sounds like it's a communication thing too. You set the right expectations with your team so they know what it means when you are setting aside time to do the things that you need to do uninterrupted. Yeah, it, it is literally Groundhog Day though when you're growing and you're adding new people constantly because mm-hmm. you're having the same conversation like day in day out as a leader, and you have to be very careful not to leave someone feeling less than heard. Yeah. Okay, because. You know, the team member that joined two weeks ago is having the same issue that the one that joined last month was having a month ago. Well, it sounds like this is something you can solve by having a hierarchy of other leaders within your organization, right? Absolutely. But then you have to hold them accountable to following the hierarchy. Yeah. And everybody wants the boss's ear. Yep. Sure. You know, I mean, what do they say? Heavy lies the crown. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, serious business, man. Like. Like, you know, the emotions and insecurities of every single team member are your responsibility as a leader. And not just, like, it would be one thing. So so here's here's where we stand. I'm I'm certainly the leader of this organization, right? right. I don't think anybody would dispute that. And and I don't say that to pat myself on the back. I just I think it needs to be, it, for, for, to make this point. It's clear. It, to, to, make it, to make this point, it needs to be said. Um, but I don't provide a, provide a hundred percent of the value for the people that are a part of this organization, mm-hmm. right? I, um, I'm a big part of the value, um, but in the beginning, especially in that growth phase, it's really challenging because I'm the reason they signed up. Yeah. Okay, but I'm not a hundred percent of the reason they stay. My segue alarm's going off. Okay, again. sorry. So I'm not a hundred percent of the reason they stay, but they still need to hear from me. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're paralyzed in they have no ability to execute without my say so and and you just you have to reinforce and build that confidence right well this like i said perfectly ties into the next one what do you think when i say this people buy into the leader before they buy into the vision that's absolutely true absolutely Abs- true 100% yep. that they won't they won't hear the vision unless they believe the leader yeah it's like you said, some the, people, the 100% of the reason they join is because they heard you and they know that you mean what you say. They'll b- blindly follow a leader. They'll, they'll follow a leader not knowing a vision. Sure. History so, yeah. is full of stories like that. Absolutely true. Yeah. Absolutely. When you have the ability to move people emotionally, um, you know, I mean, that, I mean, like, it's a cornerstone of any religion. Like, yeah. I mean, like, we, uh, we can't explain it. You just have to have faith. Right. Like faith is what it is. It's, it's truly faith. And I'm not, I'm not trying to act like I'm divine as a leader, but sure. Like, like the truth is, is people follow me and sometimes they probably don't even know. So why. you'd probably take it a step further and say that people can't buy into the vision until they buy into the leader. Do they have to buy into the leader first before, before they can be a hundred percent on board I, with the other things? I don't know that they can fully understand the vision before they buy into the leader. I don't know if that makes sense or not. I can see that. But you could give someone a perfectly eloquently crafted literary piece of fiction, right? It's still fiction because it hadn't happened yet, right? So so like literary fiction, here's here's where the company's heading. Yeah. Okay. And they could read it and they could agree with it a thousand percent over. Be excited by it, sure. Be excited by it. But how do they buy in without knowing who's... If they don't think you can do it, what you've what you've set out to do, then like Fortune five hundred companies have CEOs. Yeah, like like do do they run without the CEO? Yes. Okay, 
But people don't follow a, the board of directors. Right. They follow the CEO. They follow the founder. That's a good point. Yeah. The okay. face. The face. There is a face of any organization. That's why the United States has a president. Right. It's why, you know, Western European, you know, countries have monarchies, you know, and it, I mean, do you really think that Great Britain needs a monarchy now? No. No, it's not run by the monarchy, but there needs to be a face. Like, even then, they have to have a prime minister to follow. Sure. Right? In addition to the royal family. Like, there, there is there's something about a leader. Mm-hmm. That affects the human consciousness. A- ab- People ab- need it so that they have a North Star to guide them, Absolutely. Right? And, you know, it's funny. It's funny that this comes up now because, you know, in a lot of my discussions with colleagues here recently, my discussions have right, – right now, this the industry is a bit unprecedented for a lot of people right now. Um, they've never been this busy before. And – you know, my, you know, my, my explanation to them about where the market stands and how to get people to follow them is just simply this. Like you are the leader, whether you have it figured out or not, you need to look like it. Hmm. Like you cannot be a spaz and be a leader. Yeah. Like if I am a spaz, people get scared. Right. If you think you're not leading by example, you are. Exactly. Well, when you're even leading, if you, don't, you can lead by bad example. <laughs> even if you don't understand, like it, it could have nothing to do with it. It could be a personal situation. It could be whatever. If I come in here and I don't look like I have my shit together, people get scared. Yeah. Okay. It, am I perfect every? No. no. I'm not perfect every day. I make lots of mistakes. I have fears and insecurities like anyone else. Mm-hmm. But you know, the truth is like people show up to this place. Right. And it is a special place to work, but they show up here because they have confidence in me. Right. Yeah. And they show up when they don't have it all together to feel like someone has it all together. Sure. So something they can follow. Something they can follow. Okay. All right. Any port in the storm. I'm in my safe place. Let's figure this out. Let's get moving forward. Yep. You know, let's break these rocks so we don't have now, so we don't have to break them later. Like that's 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 what a leader does. Gives okay. people confidence. All right, so I, I probably took that too far. But. No, you're good. Here's another one. Here's a real good kitschy one. Okay, this is Ooh. this is a real good bumper sticker you know, fridge you, magnet. You, you know, I like, here. you know, I like kitsch. Okay, a manager says go, but a leader says let's go. Doesn't that just give you the warm fuzzies <laughs> when you hear it? <laughs> well, I hate the word manager. Okay, um, number one. A lot of these had to do, say a lot of these quotes had to do with the difference between a manager and a leader. So we could probably touch on that. I too. mean, I think I think PC culture has gotten rid. Of the word manager. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think everyone wants to feel more important than they are these days. So like if you are a manager, you're not called a manager. You're called a senior vice president. You're a department head of like something. Yeah. Like, I mean, the entry level employees at banks are vice presidents these days. Did you realize that? No. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's just like you're the, you're the vice president of janitorial. Like, I mean, it's (laughs) like, I I mean, there's nothing against janitors. I just get a gold mop. Yeah. I just think like it's, uh, like we we've taken as a corporate culture we've taken titles yeah pretty far but i but i hate the word manager like i do not want to be called a manager i don't manage you sure you know i lead you yeah you know um so I, yeah i don't so like that's the, the idea the let's go you lead by actually going. well leaders leaders are willing to get their hands dirty yeah leaders understand when it is prudent to do the thing versus lead the thing done. Yeah. Right? You have to know the difference. You have to have the wisdom to know the difference. Yeah. Like, and some of it's intuitive. 
Like, I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of times where I do things that are not the highest and best use of my time, but I choose my moments and I, and I teach lessons and I, I show people how I am willing to make personal sacrifices for the good of the organization. Yeah, I mean, maybe the most it. powerful teaching tool you have is for people to see the leader make a mistake and see how they handle it and see what they do. So No, I mean, it, or, yeah. Or they see the leader do the thing that they don't want to do. And they think, oh, okay, well, if he's willing or she's willing to do that, maybe I should be more open to it. Yeah, I mean, I've heard people around here say things along the lines of, like, when it comes to either calling expires or doing this one thing or holding an open house, whatever it may be. They say, well, if Jay's got time to do it, I've got time to do it. I've Absolutely. heard that spoken around here. So I mean, Absolutely. Like, you know, we talk about our files, like my files are tighter than anybody's. Right. If I've got time to keep my, make sure all my documents are in my files, then so do you. Yep. Then so does anyone. Mm-hmm. And I don't figure it of you. And that's something that's trickled down to the people in the organization too. Absolutely. So. Abs- well, absolutely. And, and, um, it's funny to hear the staff say it, you know, like that, that's really when you feel as a leader that you've set a good example right. is when, you know, the staff who, whose job it is to make sure that the sales force does what they're supposed to do and they're well supported mm-hmm. says to a sales, you know, team member that, Hey, if Jay can do this, you can do it. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh shit, I got, I got, I got it now. Okay, I yeah. like it. I like when people do. A good leader inspires people to do right. A good leader inspires people to hold others accountable. Yeah. A good leader doesn't have to do all the accountability holding themselves. Right. Inspires people to hold others, hold themselves and other people accountable. Too. Absol- absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Here's one. I I was trying to get a little bit more meat on this list, so I looked for controversial controversial leadership. Uh, quotes and sayings. And here's one that came up. It says, the first rule of leadership, colon, right? So the first rule of leadership, everything is your fault, meaning you, the leader. What do you think about that? All the problems fall on your doorstep. I think it's true. You do? I mean, I would probably interpret that more as all... Everything is your responsibility. Responsibility. Not necessarily exactly, your fault. Exactly where... Yeah, it's not your fault. You, it, I, so Okay, so I disagree because it's not fault. Right. But it is accountability. It is responsibility. So slight edit so, here, yeah. So, so I would have to edit that to say if, you know, somebody that works below me, you know, um, for me, with me, makes a mistake, you know, that I didn't cause, you know. You maybe didn't even know about it until the. Not even aware of it. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's not something I would have condoned. It's not something I would have counseled. You know, it if I was approached with, you know, the opportunity to coach. Um, you know, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah, that's their fault, but it's my responsibility. Hmm. So there you go. That's a leader. A leader's role is to take responsibility for things that aren't necessarily their fault. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm saying absolutely a lot, but I feel a hundred percent certain. That that's so what true. do you say to the the stereotypical boss that has the sink or swim mentality? Like you made your bed, now lie in it. Like this is your problem. You made this problem. You're going to figure a way out of it. Well, I mean, I don't like the presentation of that. I think it's it's confrontational for the sake of it, but and not constructive, perhaps, and not and and perhaps not constructive, and and that's definitely a perhaps because some people do respond to that, mm-hmm. some people require it. But m- my point is, um, yeah, there's a need for people to solve their own problems. Sure, 
and the, to be willing to take responsibility for their own and to actions. be res- be willing to take responsibility for their actions but you get nowhere as a leader thrusting people into situations they can't handle and sometimes people make mistakes because they're in situations they can't handle yeah so maybe the leader doesn't say you made a mistake and i'll take responsibility for you the leader says you made a mistake and i'll take responsibility with you perhaps yeah perhaps if that's what's needed in the situation and the leader a good leader has the wisdom to know the difference. Sure. Like, you know, a good leader also has the wisdom to know when to cut ties. Yeah. You know, and, uh, take responsibility in the absence of the party that created the problem. Yeah. That's a good point. There there's dude. I mean, there, I don't think, I mean, leadership, I, I guess it's a science. I guess there's a science to leadership, but you know, there's, there's definitely not a clear answer always. Yeah. You know, it's definitely not always a clear answer. Yeah. It's all, a lot of it is circumstantial. Well, that reminds me of another one. Let me find it on this list here. Dude, you are hitting me. Like, I feel like the, you are the firing squad. So what about this one? Cause this sounds kind of like what you said. It says leadership is a choice you make, not a place you sit. Leadership is a choice you make, not a place you sit. It's definitely not a place you sit, but I don't know about a choice you make. Something along the lines of leadership not, is a behavior or a state of mind or a or a personality that, that, as I mean, opposed that, to a role that you Yeah, that, that that makes more well, that makes more sense. Um, but a role, definitely. It's definitely a role. It's it's not a role that um I mean, I guess it's a role you can be assigned, but it's certainly one that you have to earn. Yeah. You have to fit the bill. Yeah. It, it, it's not a place. Like, it's not a place to be. Like, you don't you don't become a leader by accident. Yeah. You know, you become a leader on purpose. Like, it, you know, you may be fortunate enough to be found, if, to find yourself in a position where a, you, can ex, you can assume a leadership role, but you have to make that assumption. You have to do the work. You have to step forward. You have to earn the respect of your peers and the people that report to you, you have to, that's how you become a leader. Yeah. Cause you have to earn it. It's definitely not, not a place you can be dropped. Oh, I didn't write it on this list, but there was a quote that I saw a bunch of times this morning when I was looking at this is a Henry Ford quote. that says, uh, trying to pick who's going to be the leader is like picking who's going to sing tenor in a quartet. Obviously it's going to be the person that sings tenor. Like <laughs> it's going to be the person that's equipped to do it. Leadership is kind of obvious at times. Yeah. You know, whether it's sanctioned or not, you know, um, I call that leadership of the fact or de facto leadership, yeah. <laughs> right? Like if you want to go back to like, what, what is that? Like civics, like sophomore year of high school kind of, right. <laughs> um, you know, it, it de facto leadership, like is the person that wasn't blessed or honored by the, the ruling party, but, but they assumed the leadership role and, and they grabbed it by the throat, yeah. took it. Like, I mean, you can see it in five-year-olds. Like I watch my son. My son is a natural leader. Yeah. He, um, you know, he, he's, he's not matured and he doesn't understand what he does, but he gets people to do things and he leads them and he does it with them. I like it's, it's honestly, it's really endearing to watch. Yeah. I'm imagining it's, um, it's it fills you with some sort of pride. Tons of joy seeing it. Um, and, and I'm not pride. Pride may not be the right way. Yeah. But how much of it do you think is innate as a part of his nature? And how much of it do you think of it as a learned behavior? 
and something that he mirrors from seeing leaders in his life. Because he has two parents that are leaders. He has yeah. an uncle who's a leader. He has a grandfather who's a leader. He's surrounded by leaders. So how much of it do you think he picks up, and how much do you think it is, is I mean, baked he de- in? He definitely absorbs, but I think it's, some of it's baked in. I can't say, man. Nature versus nurture. I, I believe in both. Yeah. I believe in both. I mean, and plus, we talk about these. some of these leaders are natural. You hear natural-born leader. Those three words are together all the time. So how yeah. much of it is natural-born, you know? I don't know. Like, he started at a very young age, and you'd see him, like, and some people would call it, like, mani- ch- child um, childhood manipulation. Like, people see, <laughs> like, the kids manipulate you. Yeah, he like, knows how to wield influence, right? He, he wields influence. Ch- ch- a lot of children do it really naturally. Some do it sure. with temper tantrums, and but my, my son, like, he will, he'll debate you. Oh, you find the kid on the playground that's assigning the teams, and you know, you and, know? And he's that kid. Yeah. And um, he's not obnoxious, but, I mean, he's not, he's not, um... Not mature enough in his understanding of what he's doing. Yet. Well, sure, but it's it's really endearing when you see it. Yeah, um, and when you see him say, "Hey, let's go do something," and then he takes someone and they do it together, and mm-hmm. it's like that's when you get really excited. Gotcha. And I don't know that he'll. I don't know that he'll always be a leader. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. But um, it's it's nice to just see it in action, mm-hmm. right? And to know that it's there. But I don't know, man. I don't know how much is nature version. I mean, you're right. Like, I think he's not like, I'm a leader. I know it. I know I am. I'm, my father's a leader. I got some traits from him. How much of it for me was watching him and others and how much was natural? Yeah. I mean, I can tell you that I'm a firstborn and some would have you believe that that makes me more likely to be a leader. Yeah. I married a firstborn and together you can imagine the environment in our household for your firstborn for our firstborn to become yeah. a leader. Sure. Um, it's probably pretty likely. Yeah. Okay. Both nature and nurture, but I can't say, I can give you a ratio. I would, I mean, I wish I was that smart. Yeah. Well, let me take it. We're going to, let's move a different direction here before we wrap up. Cause I've got a couple more that I want to get your take on. Okay. Here's a quote from a leader who you may have heard of a little obscure. His name is Steve jobs. If anyone's it's ever heard extremely, of this. extremely <laughs> obscure. And this is a quote that he's famous for. I'd actually heard before. He said, my job is not to be easy on people. My job is to make them better. Talking about his role as the leader of, of Apple. Well, it's well publicized that he was an abrasive leader. Yeah. Hard um, to be around. He Hard to be around. He he is romanticized posthumously. Mm-hmm. Um and and I don't I don't want to besmirch like you know his memory or anything, but like you watch any of these, you read his book and you watch any of these. You ever watch Pirates of Silicon Valley? It was like a two part made for TV movie. It talks about him and Bill Gates, but it was a very faithful interpretation of what it was like working under. I mean, I don't know, I wasn't it's there. Ne- is it on Netflix? I don't. I it might be. It's older now. It's Pirates of Pirates Silicon of Silicon Valley. Valley is what it's called, and it was like a two part. So it's probably like four hours altogether. Okay, but it's like the whole story of Apple and Microsoft and their rivalry. But it's really good, and it shows the the rougher edges too you know and okay. so you can really I, need see to, I need to check that out i've watched a few of the you know there was like four or five movies made about steve jobs like yeah. right after his passing and i've watched a few of them and two of them came out in the same year there was an ashton kutcher steve jobs and a michael fassbender steve yeah. jobs like in the same I've seen, season i've seen both of those um and they're they're pretty supposedly pretty true to form but hmm. I, I will say that um you know he's he's notoriously a you know notoriously a Hard to work for boss. Yeah. Right. But he's, and he's still remembered as a visionary, right? A luminary in his, in his industry. So, so the quote is, 
It's not my job to be easy on people. It's my job to make them better. So, so that, that in and of itself, to me, like, he, just think about the way he says that. It's excusing away his own personality, well, well, maybe. But. Well, right, but he starts he starts with with a ridiculous claim, like like who would have ever who would have ever asserted that it was his job to be easy on someone? Yeah, like so he starts. I mean, like he makes it like who I mean, accused him you, of do, saying? Do you understand yeah. the yeah. contrast is intended? To make the former look ridiculous in favor of the latter. Yeah. Okay. Like that is intentional. He's a very interesting distinction. He's a very bright, gentle, bright person that Mm -hmm. knows exactly the volume and the value of the words that he speaks, the gravity, if you will. So he's basically saying, I don't want to be easy on people. I'm going to make you better. Like he soft that that's a softening of his language, and it's still got enough edge to it to make his point and like make him just enough of an asshole to like <laughs> like kind of further the legend. Um, but it's like we were talking about when we go back to like assigning responsibility for people's faults. I think it's like what you said: the the highest form of leadership is probably knowing when and where to apply pressure, when it will improve the situation, and when it will just make things worse. Oh, dude! I, I mean, I've been told by people around here, and you probably have witnessed it. When I'm upset, when I'm angry, mm-hmm. that you can feel it. Yeah. Okay, around here, and um, I I believe I've mellowed and matured, you know, over the years. You probably even witnessed some of it. Um, but like, I don't show that side of myself very much anymore. Mm-hmm. Is it because you don't think that it's very constructive? No, I don't believe I I don't believe it's extremely constructive. I believe that it can be constructive um in very probably narrow circumstances. Yeah. Um you know, I know some universal truths. Um you know, you can motivate people through fear. True. You can, but it may not be the best way. And and all I'm all I'm really saying is, like, I think I think what Steve's giving you there, if if you research when that was quoted, in the context, sure, it was probably at a point in his life and in his career where he felt that that was the only way, and that's probably that illustrates some shortcomings on his part, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there are revered, you know revered and inspirational leaders that get people to do things like you've never heard anything like that about Jeff Bezos. No, not that I can think of, you know, um, you know, maybe just maybe Jeff Bezos has studied Steve jobs and Bill Gates and Michael Dell and even Mark Zuckerberg. Sure. Like someone of his own era and determined that you don't have to be an a-hole to get people to do things for you, right? And and for me, it's just it it feels better to get people to do things because they want to, mm-hmm. versus getting people to do things because they're afraid not to. Yeah. Now, I certainly have a hot streak. Like, I mean, you've seen it. Like, you know, and uncompromising people can achieve a lot. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it didn't feel good. It didn't feel good to me. Right. Did I, did I, did I stop? That makes sense. No, all of these, after we say them, I'm, I'm, I don't want to leave long pauses in the podcast, but I'm like, hmm, they're making me think a little bit, you know? Like about the way, about the way I, uh, the way I manage, the way I lead? Well, no, not about you. I'm just thinking in general, just these, these principles that we're thinking of. Hmm. 
Interesting. I have, I have one more quote for you, and this is one that not every single person listening to this is probably familiar with. But then I want to ask you another question. But before I do that, let me remember to do this. Um, many people think they know where they've heard this before, where it comes from, but it's widely debated where it was originally said. But give a man a fish and you feed him for a day, teach a man to fish, and you feed him for a lifetime. Right? This idea that sometimes it's better to show someone how to do something and let them do it themselves than it is to do it for them. How do you feel about that? It's pretty um, universally accepted, but I think it's pretty shallow because people hear it and they're like, yeah, that's true. I think I think you're right. It is a little shallow. Um, doesn't make it any less true, but I do believe it to be shallow. I will say that um, there is a place for charity. Yeah. Which, I mean, that, that, that quote right there is in opposition to charity. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You hear it used that way a lot too. When you talk about giving money to people on the side of the street or something like that, you know, that's, you hear people say, something I mean, like I will that. say this, I'm not a big, I'm not a big, you know, throw them a couple bucks kind of guy. Yeah. Like I'm gonna buy them a sandwich kind of guy. Sure. Right. Because I, everyone needs to eat. And if you're homeless, there's a good chance that you have a hard time feeding yourself. Sure. Um, I'm the, I'm the, take them around the corner and buy them a bottle of water and, you know, yeah, a toothbrush kind of guy, like instead of, instead of throwing them a dollar that they might be. And, and, and I suppose that's judgmental. Um, it's also not wrong. Well, it's not, it's, it doesn't necessarily have to be, well, I don't know what they're going to do with that dollar. You can't do a ton with a dollar. So first of all, chill out. I mean, it but could I mean, be 20 bucks, but, but also I mean, it's kind of an empty gesture. There's not a lot of thought involved. And I mean, at the root of it, you're doing it so that you don't feel guilty in your car on the rest of the way home, you know? Yeah. So it's selfish. Yeah. Or it means really selfish. It's, it's hard not, to say it's selfish to give someone that needs but it money, is, but, money. It, but it is, but did you do it because you wanted some, a better outcome for them or did well, you do it so that you could say that you did? What, what, well, I don't know. And you can answer that question for yourself but and at the end of the day you don't have to do anything but I mean, at the you same time by, you, you 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 paid off your own guilt like that is selfish yeah okay yes they needed money but did they need something else more mm-hmm. and did you have the opportunity in that moment now i didn't realize we didn't have this conversation to talk about homeless the homeless problem um but my point is is it's it's, it's very similar when to, you're in a position of leadership. When, yeah. when you can pivot and talk about leadership with someone who needs things, they need something. They need inspiration, motivation. Guidance. Like I can give somebody a client to work with. Throw them a bone, so I to can speak. throw them a bone or I can teach them how to prospect. Yeah. You know, and that is a direct, you know, kind of example. That's about the real the, estate equivalent of this quote. Of teach a man to fish. Give a man a lead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like... You know, the truth is, is our organization, as you know, is a meritocracy. Right. And the people that get the most opportunities are the people that earn the most opportunities. Yeah. And it can it can end up being exponential, right? Because the ones that earn the most get the most themselves and get given more opportunities. You earn what you keep. And so, yeah, I'm I'm here, whether it be me personally or us collectively, to teach people how to fish. Right. Not to give them a fish. Exactly. Like, I mean. A I lot think, of this sounds like it has to do with knowing when to do what to do, you know? No, it is exactly true. Like, you, and you are constantly second guessing and constantly assessing. Might do one thing one day and do something different the I, other day. Yeah, I might do. And, and, and that, that that's the luxury of having a meritocracy is I can decide that Gabe deserves this. 
or that Gabe does not deserve this. Sure. And it, and only my opinion matters. <laughs> um, right? Um, yeah. In that very in that moment, in that decision making moment. Yeah. Well, that's good. Well, that's all the quotes that I had written up. I'm sure there's plenty that we didn't think of. If there's one that you just know that you hear all the time that we missed, you know, hop on our Facebook page and, and write us a post real quick or leave us a comment. And let us know uh, the quote that we missed. But before we wrap up, I want to get your take on one more thing, just kind of this something that I've noticed more and more, especially in today's day and age, and it might have something to do with social media. It might have something to do with the interconnected generation. But why does it seem like so often the leaders that are in the highest positions of leadership, the ones that we see the most often, have almost these kind of eccentric there's like almost bizarre personalities and personas like this, like you said, this myth and this legend that falls around. I think about people like um, we're talking about the legend of Steve Jobs, but you've got all of these kind of eccentric people uh, like that just kind of have their own ethos that falls around. You talk about Gary V. Everybody knows the Gary V, like the culture, the cult of Gary V almost that kind of like falls around. Everybody has that idea. Who's the guy that's the CEO of, um, Virgin, is it Richard Branson? Is that his name? So you've got people like that, people that have this very like hyper-focused image. We talk about Mark Zuckerberg wearing the same shirt every day. You know, it's like they have a very polished, presentable face to the public image that's just like kind of shrouded in mystery. Is that something that just comes with the territory of being a big leader, or is it something these people will specifically cultivate, you think? Well, the thing that you're talking I mean, the people you're talking about are, you know, I mean, these are huge leaders. Yeah, these are penultimate. Type leaders. Yeah. I'm like like, top of the pyramid type stuff. How you like that word? Penultimate. (laughs) Anyway. um, Yeah. These are, these are like, you know, celebrity leaders, like for being a leader. Yeah. I mean, you could find the same characteristics, maybe not as pronounced in any great organization, right? Like, I mean, I'm sure people around here, you know, are, would be curious to know, like, what I eat for breakfast every morning, like, and how I, how I show up to the office with the energy that I do. And like, sure. when, they, when they, when they, you know, roll in here and they're having a rough day and they assign some sort of perfection to me, which by the way, doesn't exist. Right. Okay. Um, there, there is always a shroud of mystery surrounding a leader. Okay. Um, part of that is because leaders keep boundaries. Yeah. Okay. Um, leaders keep boundaries. Um, and leaders decide in a lot of, uh, in a lot of cases, what they want people to see and what they want people to know about them. And they find themselves in a position to be able to hold those mysteries. And then when there is mystery, people tend to let their imaginations run away with them. And it might be an amplified version of what we're talking about when well, we say you bind the leader before the vision, right? Maybe. Absolutely. Um, you know, people believe about me and about other leaders, what they want to believe about them. Mm-hmm. And it's a reflection of what they want to be themselves. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, trust me, it's not, you know, um, it's not a prerequisite to great leadership. It's not a prerequisite to a wild and strange person. No, it's not. I think, I think it's just, it's honestly a lot of assumptions. Yeah. Um, or it's a strategy, you know, you know, or it's a strategy and it, it, it's, it's both, but I will say that resources for people like Mark Zuckerberg and, you know, Steve Jobs, like resources allow them to perpetuate that. Yeah. You know, like, um, I, I mean, I don't know. That's it's, it could be for the, for people like that, it could even be like a PR thing. Like, well, see, that's like what we talk, we too. talk about Zuckerberg, like standing close to the camera. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
so that he looks taller. Like some companies, I do you think, think he about, came up with that on his own, or do you think somebody told him? I don't know. It might. I, I think somebody, I think somebody told him. But it's like when you think about companies like Google, I feel like I can see the guys, the two guys that are like the heads of Google, but I don't know their names. But then I think about T-Mobile, and it's like the, the guy that is the CEO of T-Mobile. You see him everywhere, and he has this. Or uh, Elon Musk maybe is the best example of this. You don't think about Tesla without thinking about Elon Musk. I mean, people are investing in Elon Musk almost at this Absolutely. point. The guy just like had, comes out with the most bizarre well, ideas. I'll give you a good example. Some uh, some good good friend of mine, uh, good friends of mine, Landon and Andy Swan, okay. um, f- uh, founded a company called Like Folio. Yep. Okay, I might even need to have them on the podcast at some point. They're be good. They're pretty smart guys. Anyway, um, they have a podcast actually, so you should check out Like Folio. Anyway. Um, they have as a part of their product, well, their product in essence takes and aggregates social media data, okay, mentions and what have you, to analyze the value of a company's brand. And they sell that product to people that invest in the stock market. Yeah. Okay. And they have a function. There's an iOS app or I'm sure an Android, whatever, that you can download. And there's literally leaders that you can follow. And what it does is it tells you based on their outward communication. Their social media influence. Their social media influence. So like if Elon Musk says something on Twitter, how it moves the needle. Yeah. If if Donald Trump says some tweets about something, how it moves the needle in the economy, how it whatever. Like right. like there's all sorts of things like and then they have these indexes and things, indices, I guess you should say, um, that determine how a leader can affect reality with their communication. So to think that these guys that you're talking and gals that you're talking about don't have a PR staff that advises them on every move they make. Yeah. Would be foolish. So, so the leaders, the penultimate leaders that you're talking about, everything is a finely crafted thing. So, so is their eccentricities. Yeah. Right. Like jobs, it was came from an era that probably wasn't quite, that much of an issue, but let me tell you, Zuckerberg, mm-hmm. like he decided to wear a black shirt and jeans and the same loafers every single day because that's what Steve Jobs did, and he wanted that comparison. Yeah, and someone prompted him to do that, just like the way someone prompted him to look taller and more powerful by standing closer to the camera when he get his picture taken. Yeah, there's no doubt in my mind. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Okay, and somebody tells Bezos to be dark and mysterious and don't give quotes <laughs> and don't get public pictures taken and don't let your kids get on camera and things like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like that mystery, Amazon's a mysterious company. How do they do what they do? Yeah. Do you know? What all do they do? <laughs> Who knows how they do what they do? Supply chain management? Like how do you sell anything and It seems like they roll something new out every week. I mean, too. literally – Amazon's business is how to sell everything better. Yeah, it's like they buy like they buy this distributor and then they buy a grocery store chain and it's like what it's like what where is their what's their direction here? I think I mean, their direction is all directions outward. Like I want to be their investment banker. Like yeah. <laughs> I want to be Bezos's investment banker that says, "Hey, I got an idea. You can buy Whole Foods and your stock price will go up. Your market cap will increase more than the cost of the purchase. You bought it for free." <laughs> They paid you. The market paid you to buy Whole Foods yeah. because they are so confident in your ability to disrupt the grocery business. Yep. Right? They're just waiting. They're begging That's pretty you. unprecedented, isn't it? I like seriously, $16 million dollar price tag and a $17 million or $17 billion. billion yeah. B. These are Bs. Yeah. These are Bs. $16 billion price tag on Whole Foods and a $17 billion market cap increase. 
instantaneously. Yeah. You just made a billion dollars. Just made a billion bucks. And a grocery chain. And and you got a grocery chain and all the assets that came along with it. Well, if you like I said, if you can think of something also that you want to have debunked or there's another leader that we missed, you know, feel free to get in touch with us. We want to hear from you all the time. And like we said, resource isn't going anywhere. We took a little short hiatus, but we're going to be back with more content very soon. Make sure to be subscribed if you're not already. Uh, and from Gabe Pritt and Gabe Pritt, that's not my name, Gabe Pruitt and Jay Pitts, uh, this is Resource, Real Talk About Real Estate. Thanks, folks. <laughs>